The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game at VSIN, the sports betting network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. And now. The DK Network. It's Gil Alexander. It's Kelly Bidlin live from the D. Downtown Bar Canada at the D. Kelly, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How you doing, man? Doing very well. Just uh, just got a lot of new buttons over here to figure out and push, you know. New digs for us. Loving it, you know. New digs. You got your Florida State couture on today? Of course I do, man. Might have to lower the screen. But hey, number one, let's go. Let's go. Fear of the spear. Knocking out that top five team. Uh, We'll talk to Pete Futak about Florida State and LSU last night, which... I, you know, at halftime, I didn't know what to make of that game, but I certainly knew what to make of it at the end. Uh, we'll talk to Futak about everything that happened last night in what was, you know, supposed to be the marquee matchup of the weekend, and I guess by rankings it was, but obviously Colorado takes all the headlines. We'll talk about all the implications there, betting-wise, on the show. Uh, Frank Schwab, rather, on uh, the NFL. Paul Spore on Major League Baseball. Todd Wishnev on the weekend of in-game betting in college football. He went 21-16 and 16 betting uh, in-game bets this weekend. Ooh. Just a cavalcade of in-game bets. Uh, Wes Reynolds will join us to talk all things sports as well. Um, I want to start with Colorado just because what a shot in the arm for college football this is. However you fall on Colorado. And by the way, I, I can't imagine you fall anything negative-wise after yesterday. Even even I, I was on the record um, as saying I didn't love the way that Deion Sanders necessarily handled the transition but boy, who cares when it comes to what we see on the football field? Uh, Colorado gets it done outright as 21-point dogs. Saw 20 and a half, close to 21 in some spots against TCU. TCU, of course, in the title game last year, they win it 45 to 42, and do so in spectacular fashion. Just absolute spectacular fashion. 86 new players. Travis Hunter's two-way display. Uh, 80 snaps as a cornerback, 64 as a wideout. Uh, he caught 11 passes for 119 yards. That was the second most on the team. Dylan Edwards was 5 for 135, three touchdowns. Xavier Weaver, 6 for 118. Jimmy Horn Jr., 11 for 117 and a touch. And Travis Hunter's best play, probably the catch that was not a catch in the end zone when he was uh, closely defended. Just an unbelievable display. By the way, I've done the on pace. On pace for 1,728 snaps in the regular season. <laughs> You're welcome. It's incredible. Um, And then Shadur Sanders, who just, I mean, 510 yards passing, four touchdowns. Colorado 
as far as next week's game, because we could just push it forward to that. Colorado was a eight and a half point dog on the look ahead against Nebraska. Their season win total was three and a half. They were 200 to one to win the national championship. Easy, everybody on the national championship. Shador was 150 to one to win the Heisman. Travis Hunter was 100 to one to win the Heisman. Now, as we sit here today, live at the D, Colorado is a three point favorite against Nebraska. That is a 11 and a half point move. Their season win total is up to five from three and a half. Cut in half for the national championship. Again, easy everybody on the national championship. Let's relax. 100 to one. Shador is 30 to one to win the Heisman. Travis Hunter, 30 to one to win the Heisman. Now, let me say this. A few things. Well, there's so many things. One, I was asked, first of all, first thing first, for those who had Colorado pre-flop money line, congratulations. Mazel tov to you. Eight to one. Good for you. Shout out Mike Pritchard. Mike Pritchard. I'm sure he did. (laughs) Come on. Mike Pritchard, Colorado graduate. (laughs) He told us he was taking the points. There's no way he didn't play the money line, too. But but for those who who wanted to wait and see, because most of us had no idea. And let me just talk about no idea. I'm going to do a whole bunch of parenthetical sides. We always talk about the notion of CLV in sports betting and the notion of, of, oh, I got the best of it. Can we, just, can we just all agree that none of us knows a damn thing about much when it comes to the first week of anything? Let's keep this in mind when it comes to week one of the NFL this coming week. It certainly was the case in college football, week zero and week one. Hawaii yesterday, you know, this weekend they opened as a 10-point dog, closed as only a two-and-a-half-point dog against Stanford. They beat them by 13. North Texas opened as a 10-point dog, closed only a four-and-a-half-point dog against Cal. Cal crushed them by 37. Um, UTSA, you know, people were betting it like the game was already played. They were, they were down 10. They lost by three. They, they got up to a three-point favorite in that game. Everybody was betting Colorado State like the game was already played. Wazoo beat them by 26. Northwestern, they were a seven-point dog. Then they were only a five-point dog. Rutgers beat them by 24 to seven. Wildcats were lucky to even score in that game. Um, San Jose State, another CLV winner, beaten by Oregon State by, uh, what is it, 25 points, 42 to 17. Anyway, you get the idea. Colorado, the biggest example of this. Again, 21-point dogs winning it outright. Maybe not the biggest, but one of the bigger ones. Immediately, even if you didn't have a pre-flop bet, First drive for TCU, followed by midway through the first drive for Colorado, I immediately texted Will, Felica, Fezzik, Wishnap. I'm like, I'm in, plus 316 money line. And that wasn't even the best number. Some people got better numbers. And then a subsequent bet on the next drive was like plus 280-something. People got better numbers than that. But the point being that in-game remains so much better than anything preflop, particularly in week one, and particularly in a game like this where no one had any idea what they were getting on Colorado. It was so clear from the beginning. Now, it might not have gotten there, right? It got close at the end. But Colorado gets it done, and I think everybody who laid their eyes on that could see they were well-coached, their athletes were a thousand times better, um, and then the question was, okay, once the game ended, what do you think, or even as the game was winding out, what do you think the line against Nebraska will be next week? Because Nebraska didn't look particularly good in their game yep. against Minnesota, and Colorado did what Colorado did. And I said, I don't know, is it flipped? Like I said, seven and a half, and it didn't seem that outlandish to me. It's three now. I, I'm going to say it's going to be above three. And there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, it's way too much of a reaction already. I don't think it is. I don't think it's too much of a reaction at all. Uh, it is three right now in favor of Colorado. Now, the, we just we made an error. We just talked about how 
Shador Sanders was 150 to one before that game, and now he's 30 to one. There were 150 to one still out there after the game. Some of us might have gotten a piece of that. Oh, did you? Because when yes. I went shopping, yeah, there was nothing. They were all off the board when I went shopping. Yeah, well, I went shopping. So, so yeah. I went shopping in a in a, a wider net of a place. Let's just put it. No, that I, right. I know, I got yeah. you, I got you. No, yeah. what I want to hit on there though. So you only bet Sanders. I, Not Hunter? I wanted to bet Hunter okay. too, but I but I only have Sanders so far. But I will bet Hunter at thirty to one also. You want you want to know what my biggest takeaway from that game was? Was simply from a betting standpoint in the shows that we do all summer long, talking about getting ready for the football season, NFL, college football. Hey, next time when we're getting ready for a college football season, if there's going to be some stud on any team who's starting at wide receiver and cornerback. Give me a heads up because I'm probably going to take a flyer on that. I just don't know these guys, Gil. You know, come on. Well, I mean, and to the to the degree that he did so, and to the to the level of excellence, it was that incredible. He did so. It was incredible. Uh, it was incredible every which way. Um, so there's the in there was the in game realization. There was the get get on those Heisman numbers, 150 to one. I'll take that all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the line is an overreaction at all. I don't think the Heisman move is an overreaction at all because you don't know with these guys, even if they, if they get to a bowl game and this were to sustain over a full season, and yes, I know Caleb Williams is still out there and any number of other players are still out there, but give me that triple digit. I'll take that triple digit. I'll even take 30 to 1 on, on either of these guys. For well, sure. I had this conversation yesterday with Nebraska on deck. You might be sitting here and saying, okay, you missed out on the 150 to 1. It's 30 to 1 now, or, you know, triple digits and it's 30 whatever, or whatever you can find now. I, I mean, there's an argument to make if you're really that excited about it. I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of. Still kind of like, okay, let's see how this plays out. I'm just rooting for Prime and Chaos because, yes, he got hated, hated on so much by so many college football heads throughout the offseason. And I, it's he stuck to his guns of how he was going to build his, his program. And, man, it, lo- it worked week one at least. <laughs> it sure did. So I don't know where we're going to go forward. But, Gil, like, there's a chance. I mean, if they, they end up rolling Nebraska – like those thirty to ones go to fifteen ten to one. Oh, there's no question. So now, do I do I think they'll beat an Oregon? Uh, you know, no, right? Not USC. necessarily, right? I don't. But Nebraska, like for those who say, oh, that, that's such an overreaction. Did you watch Nebraska? And did you watch Colorado? And um, remember, this is going to be an elevation. This is going to be at you know what is it? Uh, Five thousand four hundred twenty feet, as they like to say in the Mile High City. Their new fast-paced style of play. This was at 100-plus degrees the other day against which, TCU. Which is makes Travis Hunter even more impressive. It's unbelievable. The 111 it's, snaps. And I just want to say this. Again. It's such a shot in the arm for college football in the final year of the four-team playoff where, again, it's top-heavy. We know the usual suspects are going to vie for the national championship, and this team isn't. This just in. But I'll just tell you, I'm, I'm supposed to go to the Giants game on Friday in San Francisco. Typically, if I did that, I would come back at a leisurely pace on a Saturday morning. They're playing Saturday morning. I made sure. I'm not even kidding. Whoa. I made sure to get like a 6 a.m. flight just so I don't have any distractions that I can watch Colorado. Oh, I must watch but TV for Gil Alexander. No, I'm saying that, but that's how great. I, I was texting uh, those guys also. It's like nothing's going to top this for the rest of the weekend, even Florida State LSU, yeah. no, which we'll get to. Nothing did. The other thing that I that we'll get to later also with with Wishnev and maybe with Futak in college football are these coaches that know the point spread and so clearly know the point spread. James Franklin at Penn State, uh, fourth and two at the West Virginia, twelve with one forty one left, up sixteen. The point spread is what twenty one, I think it was. They pass for a first down. 
First and goal at the West Virginia 5 with 105 left in the clock ticking. They rush for no gain. They keep going. 29 seconds left at the 5. No reason to do anything. Rush again this time in the end zone. They win by 23, covering the 21-point spread. And then Mark Stoops at Kentucky, um, not to be lost in the shuffle, favored by 25.5 over Ball State. They're up 23. They start the drive, uh, the last drive at their own uh, in their own territory, 322 left, four pass plays down the field. You're up 23. What are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're trying to cover the spread is what you're doing. Uh, then they do, after the four pass plays, they do eventually score on a 30-yard scamper at the end, but four pass plays down the stretch. All of these things to keep in mind uh, as you watch college football here in the early going and then even beyond. What a start to the college football season. In earnest, week one, I know there was a week zero. We'll come back. We'll talk some Major League Baseball. And oh, my, Igas Fiatek at the U.S. Open next. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on a numbers game, live at the D here, Bar Canada, downtown. Don't forget our betting guide is out, our NFL betting guide, that is 2023. Updates for every team, best bets, betting splits tutorial, contest strategies. Oh, contests begin this week. All you have to do is subscribe for as low as $19. All the information is at vcin.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander, Kelly Bidlin here. Kelly, okay over there? Look in the, uh, you like your vantage point? You're getting used to it over there? It's going to take a little bit, but we're getting side used of the to table. It. Kelly is li- literally like seven feet away from her. How, what do you say? Is five feet? Six feet? Like a human it's being most five, right between yes. us? We're one human being away from one each other. One human being away from each other. Split screen, though. I like it. It's very good. 
That's very cool. All right, uh, we'll get to college football, more college football in a bit with Pete Futak from College Football News, also Todd Wishnev. A um, couple things, though, otherwise going on in the sports were Last night, tennis, U.S. Open, round of 16, the world number one, or now the former world number one, Iga Sviatek, beaten in three sets by Yelena Ostapenko. Yelena Ostapenko, now career record against Sviatek, 4-0, and as she just absolutely rolls Sviatek in the third set. She could not have looked better. Uh, Sviatek could have not have looked like she had fewer answers to Yelena Ostapenko. And so, um, with that, Sviatek loses her number one ranking. 75 straight weeks at number one was Sviatek. And now Arena Sabalenka will be the new world number one in women's tennis. But the question becomes, because we had the Sviatek-Djokovic uh, parlay, if you will. We also had Sviatek straight to win this. Still have uh, some of our quarters, a couple of our quarters still uh, alive, although Tommy Paul bit it yesterday. We still have Marketa Vondrasova on the ladies' side. We still have uh, Alex Dimonor on the men's side. What does this do with futures in terms of the women's draw now? Who would be the correct bet here? I think Coco Goff is the appropriate short shot. Coco Goff, who has had just an amazing summer, she won in Washington. She won in Cincinnati. She's plus 275. I know it's not the sexiest number, but I think that's appropriate. If you're asking me, what's the longer shot? What's the play? Believe it or not, it's Marketa Vondrasova, who, again, I have winning Q3. Marketa Vondrasova to win this tournament is plus 650. If you're just looking at raw data, raw tennis numbers in terms of serve, in terms of return of serve, Vondrasova was number two to Iga. Coco Golf was number three. So I fully expect a Coco Golf Marketa Vondrasova finals match. They obviously have a lot of work, the both of them, to do so, uh, to do before they get to that. Vondrasova has a round of 16 match today. Coco already into the quarterfinals, but it was Coco who had the gauntlet, and she is safe into the quarter. So I think Golf and Vondrasova meet in the finals, and I think those are the best bets on the board. Golf plus 275, Vondrasova plus 650, now with Iga out of it. The men's side remains the same. Still, Novak Djokovic, Carlos Alcaraz at the top, with Novak having the more greased uh, route into the finals. Although I will say this, um, Novak had himself a very difficult, well, I shouldn't say very difficult, because as far as five setters go and being down 2 nothing, that was about the cleanest come-from-behind two-sets-down match there was. Uh, with Novak taking on his countryman, Laszlo Dejeri, the other day. So Novak, the appropriate short shot there. Have you watched any uh, U.S. Open at all during a football weekend? I will be honest. I got wrapped up mainly with college football this weekend. I only watched a little, a little bit. I watched uh, some of the Paul match yesterday, but that was, that was about it. Yeah, Ben Shelton, yeah. 149 mile per hour serve. Yeah, that's fast. The, <laughs> the, re- the record is John Isner, who's in the 150s, but he's 6'10". So you might you might expect that from a guy like that, but Ben Shelton knocking down one forty nines. About thirteen years ago, I once did a local TV piece of uh, I wanted to see if one of my interns could return an Andy Roddick serve. That was very very entertaining for about thirty minutes as he was getting balls just rocketed at oh, him. Oh, that stuff goes yeah. right by you. <laughs> Shelton hit one that went right at Tommy Paul, and you're like, did he mean to do that? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, we're going to talk to Paul Spore about baseball here because baseball is just uh, absolutely killing it right now in terms of the races. There's roughly 25 games left in the season. So this is a short enough runway where if you're still making, for instance, yes, no playoff bets or division winner bets, 
You also want to be aware of tiebreakers. I think we're close enough to the end here where we can finally throw that out and be like, okay, just be aware of this, that if these two or three teams end up in a tie, here's what would happen. And so the, the two things that are the most, con, you know, most uh, sort of up in the air, first of all, the National League, third wildcard position. As of this moment, four teams are deadlocked for the number three wildcard position. The Miami Marlins, the San Francisco Giants, and the Arizona Diamondbacks are all percentage points ahead of the Cincinnati Reds, who have played two extra games. Cincinnati only has 23 games left. Cincinnati uh, is one game ahead in both the win and loss, or I should say they have one more win and one more loss. So really, percentage points only separates them. So in essence, it's a four-way tie. But if you want to know in terms of, okay, well, what happens then at the end of the season if these teams are tied and it's complicated there's there's certainly different permutations of it but what you would really need to know is that the first of all strength of schedule let's just talk opposing strength of schedule the marlins have the the toughest go of it they're opposing strength of schedule is 542 their uh, opponents aggregate win percentage 542 that's like the fifth hardest remaining schedule in all of baseball the other three teams the reds the giants and the diamondbacks giants 495 opposing schedule arizona 481 cincinnati 476 they have the easiest of it but in terms of tiebreakers the giants rule the roost there uh, they are tied with the Marlins. That is a complete season series, 3-3, three to three, but the Giants would actually get in over them on intra-division record. By the way, that's the number two tiebreaker, Kelly. It goes from head-to-head straight to something called intra-division, which means even if you're in different divisions, they would break it down based on the Giants' record in the NL West versus the Marlins' record in the NL East, which is a really bizarre sure, makes sense. second totally. tiebreaker yeah. Yeah, to have. Because so every Gi- division is created equal, yeah. Sure, sure, exactly, exactly. Uh, of course, the Giants have a ton of games left against the Dodgers, it should be noted. Um, but the Giants would uh, have the tiebreaker over the Marlins based on that. They would have it over the Reds. They completed the series uh, season series against the Reds 4-3. to three. And currently with two games left against the Diamondbacks, and those two games are going to be at Arizona September 19th and September 20th, the Giants hold a 6-5 to five edge over the Diamondbacks. So even if they get the split there, the Giants would have all tiebreakers for the number three wildcard position against those teams in the National League. Now, obviously, there's mathematically, there's other possibilities with the Cubs and all kinds, and even the Padres mathematically on the downside. Uh, But we're just talking about the four teams currently deadlocked for that number three position. The Giants would hold that. Uh, If you're wondering about the other ones, Arizona, as we mentioned, they still have a shot to get by the Giants with those two games. They lost the season series to the Marlins, 4-2, and they lost the season series to the Reds, 4-3. So while the Giants would win all tiebreakers, Arizona's in a position where they would lose all tiebreakers. And then the Marlins and the Reds in between, by the way, it should mention that uh, Cincinnati is currently barely behind the Marlins in intra-division record. We don't even want to get in that if that happened between the Reds and the Marlins. So just know that the Giants have the best of it in that group, and the Diamondbacks currently, currently, that could change with those two games later this month, the Diamondbacks currently have the worst of it. The other one would be in the National League West, where right now the Mariners have a one-game lead over Houston and the Rangers. And again, this would come down to when it's a three-way deal, if one team has the best of it over the other two, that would be the tie-break advantage. Um, if it's all jumbled up, then they would have to go to different tiebreakers. 
um, currently in that situation with Texas. Well, really, it's Seattle, Texas, and Houston. And then there's a second tiebreaker that would have to deal with the last wild card, which would be the two teams that don't win the AL West. And we'll throw in the Blue Jays as the other teams. The Blue Jays are only one and a half back of that final wild card position. Uh, essentially, what you need to know about that is that with Seattle, Texas, and Houston, there's too much in terms of no, no one dominates the other two at this point. Uh, we'll take it from Seattle's perspective. They got crushed by the Rangers so far this year. Five, the Rangers have won five out of six, but there's seven games remaining. Meanwhile, the Mariners crushed the Astros eight out of ten with only three games remaining, so they already clinched the season series with the Astros, but clearly are behind the eight ball with the Rangers. You can do that for each one of those three teams, and it's good and bad. So there is no consensus head-to-head winner currently in that. When it comes to the notion of the Blue Jays and being tied with those other two teams, the Blue Jays right now won the season series. They already won it against the Astros 4-3. to three. Uh, They are tied with the Mariners, um, but they will lose on interdivision record to the Mariners, it should be pointed out, and they are currently down 2-1 to one to the Rangers with four remaining. So much more jumbled. Not even worth a discussion, really, to be honest with you, even though we just had one for 90 seconds to just roll through it. But between, it's much more muddied in terms of Seattle, Houston, and Texas in the AL West, and then the two teams that don't win the AL West with the Blue Jays in the American League. The National League, when you're placing those National League bets, that's much more definitive. Be very aware that the Giants win all tiebreakers currently, and that the Diamondbacks lose all tiebreakers currently. And with 25 games left in the season, 23 for the Reds, that becomes something you want to keep in mind because there ain't that many games left to determine it. Um, Should be fascinating. Should be very fascinating with the Marlins having the most difficult schedule of the four down the stretch. We'll come back. Pete Futak will join us. We'll talk more college football. What about Kelly's FSU Seminoles? Hey, yo. What did we learn from that last night? Was it the utter second half domination? Or was the first half kind of deceiving? Or was it both? It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Coming back. A numbers game on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with a G Bank Visa signature card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G Bank Visa signature card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash rewards on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank slash Visa. It's Gil Alexander. It's Kelly Fidlin at our uh, new spot right here at Bar Canada, the D, downtown. By the way, Kelly, the uh, level of the uh, desk. By the way, I've done podcasts here many, many years. Not many years, oh, but yeah, a couple yeah. of years. You've done a bunch here. Feels yeah. like it feels like I'm doing the old Larry King uh, suspenders dive here. I'm going to do the show like this the whole time. I didn't even think Larry King asked, but that is what it is. <laughs> what it, it's tough because we're we're really dealing with extremely comfortable chairs here, actually. Yeah, oh, for sure. But it makes you want to go like this the whole time. Way back. And this isn't forward. really a good look for TV, so you, you really want to be here, but then obviously you're going to go too far and just start leaning forward. Yeah. Hey, but... We're, we're pros for a reason, Gil, okay? we got to get it together, well, okay? Speak for yourself. Come on, get it together. Speak for yourself. Uh, we get tweets <laughs> at Beating the Book. Uh, love the beer taps behind you. That's from Jay Green. Jason H11, how was the drive downtown this morning? Oh, great question. That is a great question. K 
Kelly and I, but we didn't talk about this beforehand, but we both did our own tests. We did our own tests, yes, yes. With actual timing on stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's important for, I guess, first people need to know, like, I live right by the South Point. So if you're familiar with <laughs> yes. the you know geography of Las Vegas at all, like, this is complete other side of the city from where I live. Gil lives kind of in between on the strip area, but it is still you're going north instead of south now. Correct. So we each had to figure out, okay, which, Cause south which ways do we want to go? For me, South Point was freeway dead shot. Right, I was freeway exactly. every morning, stuff flying off trucks, then, hitting my I mean, car. The biggest thing for you and me, how long is it really going to take? Because, you know, we wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. Right. So, yeah. So... I did the non-freeway test this morning, but it's Labor Day, so it's not really a test, I guess. Yes, I thought the same thing. So anyway, long-winded way of answering your question is, uh, it's an ex- it's a a study in progress. Uh, all I think is, you know, pro tip for Vegas, if you're in Vegas and you're looking at that freeway and you're saying, man, there's too much traffic. Somehow there's this little road right next to it. It's called Dean Martin uh, Highway. Nobody ever uses. The there's barely any lights. It's one lane greatest each way. Street in Vegas. What's the only problem, though, Gil? 35 miles an hour the yes. whole way. Where you, you just want to go 70. Yeah, like, you so want to go 70 on it. They won't let you, <laughs> apparently. Uh, this is from uh, Moneyline M. Imagine seeing Travis Hunter at 300 to 1 to win the Heisman last week and then watching it drop to 200 to 1 and then 150 and then 100 in game. We're not in Kansas anymore with in game awards betting. Yeah. Uh, he says, New studio looks great. Kenny G. Morning, Gil. I'm hoping that uh, this is your permanent home. Couldn't they put you at Circa? Always love the show. Does Kelly bartend during the breaks? Um, no, they made the decision that they didn't want to do that. They wanted to checker the programming uh, from studio to studio. And Kelly uh, has yet to bartend, but that remains to be seen. It could happen. I mean, don't challenge me with a good time. That's right. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Dobigan. I've got the... Lou Finicaro texting into the show. Oh, yeah, he's texting. Well, yeah, he's texting us with recommendations. He says 15 to Charleston, okay? Don't screw around. 15 to Charleston? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, at this time of the morning, he might be right. It's it probably, might be okay. Yes, it's but if, if this were afternoons, there's no chance that works. Bruce Dobigan. Um, not getting the video stream. Audio's fine. All right, Bruce, we'll work on that as well. Um, okay. Appreciate everybody chiming in on, on the new digs here. Uh, it's Gil Alexander. It's Kelly Bidlin. Um, couple things. One, well, first of all, let's talk about your FSU Seminoles. Kelly Bidlin, graduate, Florida State University. Only took five years. Let me just ask you this. Was that the, how, when was the last feels you had like that since Jameis? Oh, Jameis. Jameis. But here's, here's what I want to know from you. I was texting around like at a little into the, the, when the second half, by the time the second half began, I was still texting around, I'm not sure what to make of this game yet. Yeah. Because there was a couple fourth and shorts that LSU got stopped on, one on the first drive right at the doorstep. And then Jordan Travis made a couple plays that were Jameis-esque in terms of being a whirling dervish and just throwing the ball up for grabs. LSU could have been up in that game multiple touchdowns. Seriously, they could have. Yeah. But they weren't. And then FSU just destroyed them in the second half. So what's the takeaway when all is said and done? Obviously, the second half is the thing that's most clearly in your mind, and that's the result. But is there a little part of you that's like, I don't know if that was real? No, not really. You're all about That was it. real. But, but I, think it's, I think it's important to keep in mind that I think what you saw is, is there somewhere – in the reality of that game, is it somewhere in between what happened in the first half and what happened in the probably. second half? Yes. Yep. I think it's somewhere more in between there. I think you're probably going to see a lot of what you saw last season where both of these teams are still going to be very competitive throughout the season. I don't think this 
if you're an LSU fan out there, I don't think you should be sitting there thinking, oh, what a what an absolutely awful game. You just got I mean, you were really competitive in that first half. In the second half, you got blown out. And it happens. Um Did it teach you more about FSU or did it teach you more about LSU? FSU for me. Because I wanted to see what you you had a bunch of return you had a bunch of they're supposed to, finally supposed to have a good offensive line, which it feels like they haven't had one in about twenty years. Um so the offensive line Struggled a little bit in the first half. Second half looked really good. Gave Jordan Travis time for protection to yep. work in the pocket, work out of the pocket. I mean, and then these the, the big question mark was always going to be these tra- the transfer wide receivers coming in. And that was, I mean, Keon Coleman Keon put Coleman. on a show yesterday yep. with three touchdowns, nine catches, 122 yards. You, I mean, Johnny Wilson could have had a much bigger game. He dropped about three balls, could have gone much further. That receiving core looks like one of the strongest Florida State's had in a while. Couple that with Jordan Travis, who, look, I'm always going to be big on Florida State, but that was, I don't know if you remember this, Jordan Travis is a kid I covered when he was playing high school football in South Florida before I moved out to Vegas five years ago. He's played college football for 17 years. Exactly, because he's been playing college football for 17 years. But a lot of what, I don't know if anybody caught the post-game interview with with him, and Herb Street was kind of gushing over it afterward. That's the kind of kid he is. Like, he's a smart kid, he's got his head on his shoulders, and he's obviously an amazing athlete on the field. So you put some weapons around him, whew, Heisman season, baby. We're coming. You covered your share of quarterbacks in Florida and South Florida. Where does he rank in your in your lovable quarterbacks that you've covered? That's great. Um, Okay, Lamar Jackson was by far the best thing I ever covered uh, (laughs) on a football field. I'm talking about. I'm just talking about off the field. Off the field. Jacoby Brissett's still ahead of him. Number one. Jacoby Brissett was Jordan Travis. Number two. Jordan Travis probably number two. Where does Lamar rank? Okay, never, never. I'll jump way down. Don't answer that. (laughs) Okay. the other thing, and we want to get all this in before we get to a, a litany of guests, the other thing that happened this weekend, Blake Snell took the hill against the San Francisco Giants on Saturday, and it was a typical Blake Snell outing, six innings of scoreless ball in which he just wiggled out of jams. I think the Giants had runners at first and second three different times. Uh, he issued four walks. J- uh, Blake Snell remains now with the lowest ERA in all of baseball. That dips to 2.50. And still the highest walk rate or walks per nine in Major League Baseball. The last time that a human being who threw Major League Baseball pitches was low in ERA for all of baseball and high in walks. Do you have any idea what year it was? The last time that those two things were combined? Low ERA yet issuing passes all the time and still somehow getting out of it? Uh, 1913. Oh, my God. I was just going to ask you, was it before or after Prohibition? Because that's the rule on this show. Oh, that's what we do, Prohibition? (laughs) Prohibition. 110 years since this has happened. And, again, we documented it last week on a numbers game. The reason, not only a very low BABIP, but Blake Snell's strand rate is near the highest in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, 1977, John Candelaria of the Pittsburgh Pirates set that mark. Blake Snell only a couple percentage points lower than the Candyman's 88.7%, I believe it was. So Blake Snell now goes to minus 225 because no one cares about any of this, Kelly, in the betting markets. They only care about his ERA. Uh, 2.50, he's minus 225. And Spencer Strider, who will have four or five more opportunities, 
Remember, he leads everything advanced metrics-wise. He's at plus 350. Uh, Justin Steele, who pitches today for the Cubbies, he's 6-1. to And Zach Gallen, who got uh, beat up again last night, this time by the Baltimore Orioles, he is now a thing of the past. Double digits, 10-1 to 1, to win this award. What was that, a week and a half he was the favorite in this market? Yes. This is, and this is my point about how quickly this can change. You know where I stand. I have the Spencer Strider tickets. Uh, let's go to the Tom Tango thing, the Tom Tango tracker. Again, the most tried and true predictor of Cy Young's is Tom Tango, who's been kind enough to, to uh, tweet into this show over and over. He now has Blake Snell way ahead of the pack. Well, not way ahead. Let me not go crazy. But 66.6 in Tango points, followed by Justin Steele's 58.1 and Spencer Strider's 57.2. And as we mentioned, Gallon now. Uh, a distant fourth, but he's got Blake Snell. Why? Because Tango has a very simple formula. Yes, I'll bore you with it. Innings pitch divided by two minus earned runs plus strikeouts divided by 10 plus wins. So earned runs still has the biggest impact on voters historically, and Tango has hit seven of the last 12 Cy Young winners the last six years, AL and NL. This changes, though. Strider plus 350 at DraftKings. I would still make that bet. Still betting that? Okay. Still make that bet. I can't bet at DraftKings, but I would if I had that number available to me. We'll come back. Paul Spore on Major League Baseball next. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. numbers game on 
VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show host and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSIN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSIN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI, and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand for VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24 7 video access. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Sign up today for only $19. For your first month at vcin.com slash subscribe. Forgot to get my tennis picks of the day. Do we have those tennis picks? Do we? Okay. Let's uh, throw my tennis picks. Um, hit on the Friday pick. Hit two out of three totals this weekend on Saturday. I didn't have any plays yesterday at all. Today, and this is the nice day. By the way, happy Labor Day. Do we say happy Labor Day? Do you say happy Labor yeah, Day? Yeah, happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Okay. Uh, the nice thing about Labor Day is you have morning and night tennis and baseball. Uh, on the tennis side, I am taking Zhang Xinwen, the lovely and talented Zhang Xinwen. I uh, got her at plus 122 last night. These are all on the vcin.com slash picks page. Going up against Anjibor, I think this is Zhang Xinwen's moment to finally hit the, the stage that she uh, has uh, rightfully earned. She's going to head into the quarterfinals. At least that's the bet I'm making against Anjibor, who has had a, an interesting tournament in which he's had to battle off would appear to be illness, maybe exhaustion, and she has gutted her way to this point in the tournament. But I think Zhang Xinwen wins that outright at plus 122. She's plus 113, plus 114 right now. I would still play it. Um, anything in plus money I would play. And then I have the over in the Rublev-Draper match. Andre Rublev against the Brit Jack Draper. I think this one will be very hotly contested. I uh, didn't quite pull the trigger on a Draper dog play here, but I do think that the match goes over 37 and a half. These again at vcin.com slash picks made on the overnight. I'm seeing 38 and a half now. I believe that has moved off the 37 and a half, so I don't like it quite as much, but I would still, in fact, play it. Um, there is day and night baseball. And as we mentioned earlier, 25 roughly, roughly 25 games left in the uh, Major League Baseball season. Kelly, you are you're you're noting that we're okay here with uh, our yeah, guest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was wondering what you were saying to me. Uh, we got or, new signals. Tw- 25 games, absolutely. Oh, okay. You know, you I, know I know that off the top of my I head. I thought you were like, hold on, Spore is not ready. <laughs> But he is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at Spore, S-P-O-R-E-R on the Twitter machine. Uh, he has the Sleeper in the Bus podcast hosted, of course, at Fangraphs. He's our buddy, Paul Spore. How you doing, Paulie? I'm well, Gil. Doing very well. Um, this is such an awesome, awesome time of season in baseball. Uh, we have a couple marquee matchups. First of all, the Rangers and the Astros, who both find themselves a game behind the Seattle Mariners in the American League West Division. It's Heaney against France today. This is a coin flip. Any thoughts on this game today? Yeah, this is going to be, this should be an excellent series here. Both kind of falling down a little bit. Uh, obviously, one of them has a chance to get right playing each other here. Um, I think it's a three-game set, so they can't split. I kind of stand, uh, as far as this one goes. I'll take, I'll take the road dog uh, there because I think right now they're still the better team. I know they just got swept by the Yankees, which does feel very to say but you know some of that was the infusion of the young talent uh, or even some new talent kind of stepping up to the forefront like Michael King in a starters role uh, that was part of it yesterday with the start that he or yesterday the day before I can't remember to be exact 
But I do like Houston here. I think they're going to kind of establish themselves with a little series win here to kind of get back on track. Uh, but I like France. He rebounded after that ugly start against Boston. Had to face them twice in a row. I like him against Texas today, even though it's in Texas. Tough matchup. Give me Houston. Yeah, it should be pointed out, too, because, you know, we've talked about how, okay, the Braves are the cream of the crop, the Dodgers in the in the National League. And if we, ha- if we only had to pick one American League team that we feel – you know, despite the standings, is probably the best of the bunch because they did this mostly without Jordan Alvarez and without chunks of Altuve. It's the Astros. But, like, it also occurs to me, with this short of a runway, while we think of them as the best team, perhaps, overall in the American League, obviously with the reinforcement of Verlander on the pitching staff, that the Blue Jays are one and a half games back, and the Astros are in danger of missing the entire postseason as well. Like, we should point that out. I don't know how likely it is, but they've got stuff in their rearview mirror. Yeah, it's certainly a situation that they didn't envision themselves in, I would imagine. For a while there, they did look like they were kind of on a bit of a cruise control, even though they were never real far out in front of the division. But as far as a playoff spot, it felt like, okay, Houston, they're going to be in. But like you said, objects in the rearview are closer than they appear. With Toronto just a game and a half back, I still have love for this Houston team, but I also don't get too far down that path thinking that they're untouchable because right now the rotation is in a little bit of flux because can you, can you rely on Christian Javier right now? I don't know that you necessarily can. Hunter Brown hitting kind of a rookie wall. Justin Verlander wasn't great his last time out at home against the Yankees, which was kind of a bummer. You still got Fromber, and again, France bounced back after that ugly start against Boston, so I'm not too worried about him. But right now, I do think that that's probably the biggest problem area for Houston is their day-to-day starters. They have the guys that can get it done, but they need Brown and Javier, at least one of them, to really get back on track to push the confidence level very high with them again to where it was, say, a couple weeks ago for me when I really liked them as the AL favorite. The other uh, big day game today, Cubbies, who are three games clear of the four-way tie for the number three wildcard position, but are also three and a half behind the Brewers in terms of the NL Central standings. They host the Giants today. It's Justin Steele. It's Logan Webb. The Cubs are minus 140. Steele is sort of the number three guy, not sort of, but in terms of the betting market, he is the number three guy now in the National League Cy Young race. I guess there's a possibility that Justin Steele could find himself as a finalist in this. And the Giants losing three of four to the Padres. Now, again, as I said, find themselves in this four-way tie. This is a monster game. It's actually minus 132 right behind me here at Circa. We're showing minus 137 uh, at DraftKings. Your thoughts on this one today? I think there's another strong case for the uh, for the road dog here. You know, pretty tough on your Giants uh, throughout the years here that they've been successful with tag tag group. But I got a really soft spot for Logan Webb here, and that you know when you're when you're betting obviously in baseball, a lot of it is on the starter. And in today's game, you know when you can get a starter that you can have some confidence is going to go seven consistently. You can better about that, right? Because a lot of times we are still betting on bullpens too because so many five and but we got two guys here that could end up going seven eight if we really get the battle that we deserve. This deal matchup could be a lot, a lot of fun here. Um, and so I don't have a huge play on it. I, I wouldn't be super aggro on the Giants. I definitely respect this Cubs team, but I think I think the number maybe should be better there uh, for for the Giants, a little bit, uh, a little bit less of a favorite for the Cubs. So I think that's where I would lean is Webb and the Giants today if I was going to get in on the game. All right, not super aggro, he says, but lean to the yeah. uh, San Francisco Giants. Any Labor Day DFS thoughts for us as well? 
Yeah, you know, I'd probably be looking, you know, you mentioned Toronto, they get Oakland, which is always a nice setup. I don't think that their prices are necessarily going to skyrocket due to that because they're going to be in Oakland as well. And yet that doesn't really bother me. I would jump in on a bunch of theirs, whether you're talking like the newcomer, Davis Schneider, am I only recommending him because of his mustache? Maybe, who knows? We'll see how he performs today. <laughs> uh, Springer, maybe some out, maybe some Vlad. I know he's had a disappointing season, although a lot of that's been at home, weirdly enough. So I think I would definitely get in there. Um, as far as starters, you have a bunch of options to go. The aforementioned Logan Webb, I think if you want to kind of pivot and go against a more difficult team, my boy Cole Reagans, I'm over him still. I don't really care where his price is at. Love what he's done with the with the Royals. He's an instant for me. So if I'm doing DraftKings where I get two pitchers, it's Reagans and somebody else. If I'm going FanDuel where it's one pitcher, I'm taking Cole Reagans today with, with some plays and kind of working around that core. Okay. Uh, about NL Cy Young. First of all, NL MVP. What's your instinct? Who would be your vote? Acuna or Mookie? Man, this, this is tough because I, I have a bias toward Mookie, so I, I need to put that on the table. He's just like one of my favorite players. So I, I don't want to let that influence me too much, but I do look at them as, as razor close here, Betts and Acuna. They are just matching each other punch for punch. I am going to lean toward Betts. You know, part of it is who it is like and we don't know that because it, it's different writers every year and if it's going to be maybe the more war favorable folks then i think that in toward bets because his defense is better neither are playing at a very plus defensive level this year it's been kind of big negative for acuna there and more of a, uh, a neutral for bets and he's moved around i think he's going to get credit for kind of playing second short and outfield i think when you add it all up you're talking value guy who's played three positions three important positions right second and short matched acuna the offensive side if not been better than him i don't know what you do about the 50 stolen base difference how much does that play uh but if you're looking at wrc plus 175 to 167 i lean bets right now and obviously nobody thought acuna be caught but this is why i don't bet the heavy favorites in these things why because i i, I just don't want to get caught with my pants down like that and I think that's the case that could be happening to some of the Acuna folks where they got their number, of course. But if you were betting him as the mega favorite, I think, you, I think you're feeling really nervous right now. All right, Acuna minus 210, Mookie Betts plus 140 at DraftKings. Real quick, can a man who leads the major leagues in ERA, specifically the National League in ERA, but also lead the majors in walk rate, can he win the Cy Young? Should he win the Cy Young? Ten seconds. Can he? Yes. Should he? No. I'm loving like Snell. We're actually a little bit friends on the internet, so he's my boy, but oh. no. I, I, I think at that point, Strider. Friends on the internet. He's got to defend his boy. Paul Spore. Thank you, Spore. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Gil. Take care. At Spore, S-P-O-R-E-R on the Twitter machine. Paulie, always doing a great job. We'll talk some NFL on the other side with Frank Schwab from Yahoo. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. 
I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.